All right, let's, um, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you, when you uh, created church or invented church, you decided that as human beings we function best and we learn best and we love best and we grow best and we live best when we have community. And so church is that. It's the gathering of your people together to live and to love and to learn and to grow together. And so we just um, acknowledge that we are here in your presence um, as an individual but also as part of the fellowship of the people of God. And so, um, and we know that we learn, Lord, both from you as you speak to us and from you as you speak to us through others. We are impacted by one another and we are blessed and encouraged by one another. So we thank you this morning for one another. We thank you that um, when we have coffee time, that while the coffee is so good, the company is even better. And we thank you for one another this morning and the blessing that we get from one another. And we invite you now, Lord, as we uh, look at your word and as we talk together, we invite you to speak to us. Um, We recognise that you are here, the Spirit of God among the people of God, and that um, you whisper to us all the time. And in these kind of moments when we've set aside a bit of time to really concentrate, we ask that we would hear you this morning, that we would be... um, drawn into your presence and um, that we'd be able to really focus and enjoy our time together. And we pray that all that is said and done this morning, Lord, would bring honour and glory to you, for you are the King of the jungle, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. All right. Well, we're up to Abraham. So we started the, the story of God. And if you've been tracking, there's quite a few of you that have been here more than one week in a row. And let me say congratulations because there's been a season where we're normally a fortnightly church and we have a rotation of people. But this year, congratulations to those of you who have made it every single week. Well done. It's, yeah, it's absolutely impressive. Um, and so you will know that we're on a a bit of a trip through the Bible. We want to get to know the, the biblical narrative on which we build our faith, the story that our faith comes out of, and in fact that we write, we continue to write as we live out our season. And so we've um, come to the story of Abraham. And um, Abraham is one of those guys that you might know a lot about or you might just know a song about. Who knows a song about Abraham. Yeah, that's it. Nod your head, turn around and sit down. Um, I used to hate that song when I was a kid. Oh, anyone else hate it? All right. Yeah, yeah. See, the, and who loved it? Come on, you better. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're, they're the people that couldn't sit still in church who needed to wriggle, right? And I don't know why I hated it, but I think it's because I thought it was such a weird Father Abraham. It didn't really, you know, I couldn't see this old man with a great big beard doing nod your head, turn around. You know, like I just, anyway. Um, But sometimes that can be as much as we know about Abraham. And in fact, when I hated the song, that was probably all I knew about Abraham, um, that he was a father who danced like a wild man. And, uh, you know, like that was my perspective. Um, But there's more to know about Abraham. And so we're going to have a talk about him. Before we do, who watched the Fast Four Tennis this week? Yeah, did anyone watch the... Yeah, we even taped it because we were in the garden. I love to... Anyone else like tennis? Come on, yeah, yeah. Love tennis. I'm not really a big sport watcher or player, but, you know, watcher to clarify. Watching the footy, watching the cricket, you know, like, it's not, but tennis, I love it. I'll sit up and watch the grand final, don't care what time it finishes. When Abby started prep, in fact, I was up till, I think I finished at two o'clock. It was one of those epic 
epic games and I took Abby to school and it was her first day and I was crying and I was crying and people are saying, it'll be all right. I was saying, I know, but I stayed up really late. Now I can't control my emotions. You know, and it was about the tennis lesson about school starting. But um, on Tuesday night, I watched Leighton Hewitt and Federer do this fast forward. Anyone else watch that? I've never seen Hewitt and Federer play. They are my favourite players, partly because they're really old, like me. And, you know, they're part the heroes of tennis from um, when I started watching it. But I've actually never seen them play each other. I've seen them play others. but And I just loved it. I'm watching these great... Um, old fellas have a really good crack at trying to trick each other and, and outwit each other. And it's such a fast game. You know, you could watch it very quickly and not have to stay up till midnight. And, and I'm thinking, what great athletes. They're so amazing. And, you know, for me, the thing I love about tennis is there's, there's no team, or at least not on the court. It's two soldiers battling it out by themselves. And sometimes it's for hours. And I think, oh, they're epic. They're strong. They're athletic. They've got strong mental capacity. They're amazing. You might think that about other people that play sport that I don't know exist. But, you know, that there are amazing people. And sometimes it's great to look around the world and to recognise, wow, there are some people that do amazing and great things. Our world is full of them. And, the, you know, the heroes that we know of, and then there's the heroes that maybe are unnamed that we know of, like the fireys and the police officers and the doctors and even the soldiers who defend the land. There's some people that do amazing things, great things. And, um, and it's, you know, you can't just say, oh, anybody's great. They've got to be able to do something pretty amazing. Um, but I think if you were to survey the top 100 people, as Grant Daniel would do, and so who are the greatest people? I don't think Abraham would turn up on his board, you know, like, you know, the big X that comes up on family. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have to engage with me, okay? You're looking a bit blank. Yeah, get involved, yeah. I don't think Abraham's name would come up on that board as one of the greatest people, and yet he's the father of three of the largest religions that exist in the world today. Three religions trace themselves back to this one man and the moment we're going to read about. So that would be the Jewish religion and the Muslim religion and the Christian religion. And all of us would say Abraham was the starting point of the journey of this faith. And so we're going to read this story um, because obviously this guy's had an impact. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 12 and we're going to go verse 1 to 5. And it says this, The Lord said to Abram, stop, as Ben said this morning, names are important. Abram, Abraham didn't start with the name Abraham. He'll get it later. We're not going to talk about it today. But you're welcome to look it up if you want to read about it from Genesis 12 on. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Listen to that word because that's, you know, we talk about this idea of great people. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Turn the page. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. This is a promise of protection over Abraham. My hand of protection will be over you. And all of the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Stop. Oh yeah, no, okay, you can do that. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And next page. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Thank you very much, Steve.
This is the moment. This is the beginning of the great story of salvation. It's the starting point, like I said, for all the reli- those three religions. But for Christians, we see this as a, the beginning, the initiating point of God's salvation plan unravelling or unfolding is probably the right word, not unravelling, unfolding. So up until here we had Genesis. Um, Joanne led us through the, the fall of um, man last week, man and woman, not just man, um, and the idea that we had become separated through shame and through disobedience from God. From there, Genesis covers some stories like Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel. Um, and then, and it's kind of like a bit of a brush over of life, and apparently many generations pass. Because when we get to Abram, we discover that he's living in a city called Ur. You are, I don't know why it's called Ur, what a funny name. Ur. But um, he is living in this city, and Ur, we know, was a really uh, sophisticated city. It um, has been excavated in, over in Iraq, which is where it is, and... Um, they found cities and streets and pottery and much stuff. It was obviously a very well-established city and it was probably running on par with the Egyptian cities of the time. Egypt was very established and the people travelled out of that area and established this new city in this season of time that we don't have huge records of. So we're just working it out. But what we've discovered in her is that they were big worshippers. They had, um, in the same shape... I, took a picture and I forgot to bring it. In the same or a similar shape to the pyramids, they had what were called ziggurats that were built by mud bricks. Um, there were great big temples that were built for the moon god, Nan, and, or Nan, I don't know how you say it, Nana, something like that. Um, and so they were, they were a very established city with a very established religion. And that's where Abraham was living, or Abram was living before God called him. And um, so we find that it already as Abram is called, there is a God, but it's not Yahweh, Jehovah, the God that we worship today. There is a God that is a God of the moon, a worship, a practice of the uh, astrology in the heavens, but not a recognition. So somewhere between Noah and the Tower of Babel, as cities are established, the story of God has already been lost amongst the people as the generations have um, been born into the land. And then we come across Abram and his family. He's the last in our lineage. He's given a family tree um, for a little while and he's the last that turns up in the lineage before. The new story begins. In a sense, the end of primeval history ends and the new story of salvation really begins in the scripture. Um, so Abram moves with his dad, Terah, and his um, brother and his brother's son and their wives to a place called Haran. So they move out of Ur um, and they're heading towards Canaan. Now the Bible doesn't say that Terah was called out of Ur to go to Canaan, but he's heading towards Canaan, but he doesn't get there. So he's moved out for a reason we don't know, but he only gets halfway on the journey. And then he settles in this place, Haran. And Abram in that place um, with his wife, who is unable to have children, sadly, um, they acquire wealth and they grow um, sheep. Agri- what am I saying? Agriculture? <laughs> is that the right word? And, and they kind of, you know, do life. And then out of the blue, as you turn the page from chapter 11 to chapter 12, the word of God comes to Abram. But he's not a righteous man and he's not a man who has followed Yahweh all his life. He's a man who has been entrenched in the culture and the religion 
of um, astrology. So it's good to sometimes know that before we get on the journey of what happens next in his story. Out of the blue, God speaks to him. Ever had that happen to you? We did the Whisper series um, with, I think I've said this quite a few times, with the ladies small group on a Monday. We did Bill Hybel's Whisper series where he talks about God speaking to us in whispers. Never heard the audio, audible voice of God, he says, but I feel impressions. I hear God um, give me a sense of a knowledge I need to, um, an instinct that I need to move in a different way. And so God whispers is his interpretation of that. And I don't know whether for Abraham this was a whisper or whether he heard the booming voice of God like Moses did from the bush, you know. We don't, we don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It's probably not important because in a sense for all of us, God may speak to us differently. And that's probably because God knows us well, knows how we hear better. But whatever the case, Abram heard God speak. And God gave him to an instruction and a promise. Leave your country, leave your family, leave your story behind and come out and go to a country that I'll show you. I will make your name great, I will make you a great nation, I will bless those who bless you, I will protect you by... Um, putting my arms around you when others curse you. I will protect you against your enemies. And all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. And in this phrase, we hear the promise, there's a blessing coming. There's a blessing coming that every single nation on the earth will experience God's blessing through one man. And we believe that's the sneaky little prediction, I will send my son to the world to save every single nation. Because, of course, it was out of Abraham and his family that Israel was born and out of Israel that Jesus was born. And so the blessing has travelled down and there's this sneaky little prediction God, Abraham didn't know, but we know by hindsight that God was already at that time saying, I've got a plan to bless everybody. Every single nation on the earth will experience my goodness, my love, my restoration, my hope. And so... Abraham got up and left. Well, let's just have a little bit of a talk about this for a sec. You can say I've brought some, actually I didn't bring them, Paul did, thanks. Um, some cases here and, and back, this is your Wilson's Prom backpack. Every year it goes to Wilson's Prom on the U7 camp. I don't think it gets used any other time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Where's it been? The Northern Territory. <laughs> um, and this is one of our little family cases here that we took off to Queensland. But, you know, I, I thought about this for Abraham or Abram. What would you pack for a journey that God called you on that has no clear destination and no promise of coming back? Or nothing. I know. What a good question. Would you take Grandma's crystal? Like it's beautiful? Well, they didn't. Leave your family behind. It's a good point, Steve, because they didn't leave all their family behind. He took his wife and he took his nephew and he took the people they'd acquired. I love that. It was a time of slavery and servants and a different season completely to what we live in. So they took a people group, but he left his family behind. So there were some decisions about what to pack and what not to pack. Would you take your footy cards that you'd had since 1988? Come on, some of you had footy cards. Dan, did you have footy cards when you were a kid? Yeah. You know, like, that's what we, there's stuff that we hang on to, that we keep. You know, what do you take? What do you decide to leave behind if you're going to follow the call of God? And that, it takes a little bit of discernment. You can't take everything with you. 
it's heavy, it's weighty. It would weigh you down and slow you down and the journey would become arduous and you may as well just set up camp here and keep it all in a nice, safe crystal cabinet, in my case. So God gives him a bit of an outline what to leave behind. Leave your family. Now, like I said, he didn't leave all his family. He took the very important ones. But in fact, I think what God was saying is there are some family practices that we need to leave behind when we head out on a journey with God. Well, my dad had a really bad temper and his dad before him had a really bad temper and so, you know, it's, it's just in the family. Leave your family behind. Leave it behind. Well, you know, we always do this and so even though, you know, leave it behind. There's some really important things to ask. You know, as a, as a family, we have a name for... You all know my family name, the Moran family name. It's not a good name in our culture, is it? It's not held in high regard, despite the fact that some of them made great couches. The rest of them were treacherous and, you know, bad people. Come out, leave it behind. Leave the religion behind. Leave the worship of the gods behind. It's time to decide what goes into the backpack and what stays behind. And Abraham had to, or Abraham had to make a really important call about that. Um, I've got a verse I just want to read to you, but I have to find it. Oh, it's from Hebrews. I can't find it in my notes here. That's really bad. Um, it says this, Lay off every weight, every sin, everything that will hold you back, and run the race with patience that God has set before you, looking unto Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith. In the Christian life, we are also called that there are things we need to leave behind when we choose to follow the call of God. There are some things that we have to say, actually, it stops with me. This is the last generation that's going to happen. My beautiful cousin, um, her mum was adopted by who I call my grandparents. It's quite a messy story, but they couldn't have children. They adopted her from... Um, a young mum's, teen mum's home and, um, and they raised her and then she had her kids and her daughter, my cousin Sarah, at 15 when she was in high school got pregnant and so there was a big family hoo-ha about it um, and in the midst of that family hoo-ha my auntie shared that she had also been pregnant at 15 and had to give her daughter up for adoption. So you can see there's a generation of her mother Grandmother, mother, and then her um, had got pregnant. And, and so it was this very interesting story, and they had lost track. The, the generations had been lost track, given away, separated, because there was this secret and this um, behaviour that had gone on over years. And my cousin said, in the wisdom of 16, it stops with me. This is the last time that a baby's given away in this family. This is the last time that a mother doesn't know her child. And so she married the man that um, got her pregnant. He was 19. She had to get a letter from the government. And they'd been married 20 years. And it stopped with her. And her son, who was born, Thomas, is a beautiful guy. And the generation's story has changed. And sometimes we have to recognise there's a time to say this is the last generation that this happens. We're done. We're dusted, we're following the call and we're leaving it behind. And I want to encourage you as you search your heart of what is God calling me to, to ask the hard question, what needs to be left behind? What do I say no to so I can say yes to the call of God? So we left stuff out of his backpack. He had to put some stuff in there as well. And I'm not going to talk about the practical things. 
he, he put in there. I want to talk about the faith things that he had to put in there. Abraham is known as a man of faith. You've got to remember, he had no Bible, no church, no small group, no Christian heroes to follow and to learn from. He had the word of God once. It's a conversation, once in the beginning anyway. And on that conversation alone, he chose to obey the call of God. That's why he's called a man of faith, a great believer. And I want to talk a bit about faith. What do we believe that God, who God is? God very generously outlines some things that show his character to Abram. I will make your name great. Listen to the promises. I will um, increase your number, make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed. What do we learn? I want you to call out. What do we learn from the character of God from just that promise? Yeah, very good. So there's a motivation of love. Yeah, what else? Yeah, it's a commitment, isn't it? There's a covenant. This was the initial covenant of I will be your God. Yeah, what else? Did he say you have to be perfect or I'll squash you like a fly? Is he vengeful and nasty and unkind? Do we see the character of God outlined as a difficult, moody, broody, heavy? Is that, or do we see a God who's making promises for life and fruitfulness and abundance and health and well-being? What do you reckon? So Abraham had to pack into his faith backpack the idea that God is who he says he is and I can trust him. Now, I don't know about you, but trust isn't always very easy. And if you've had a bumpy old time in life, trust can be one of the hardest things that God calls us to do. To believe that when God says something, he means it. When he says he'll do what he will, even if it takes a long time. That what he says is truth, even if other people say it's not true. Was that song at the start? You know, other people will say that I'm a mistake. It's okay because I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. And so God, when God speaks, that's what truth is. Now, we live in a really postmodern world that says, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And everybody's happy if we just don't touch truths. But the tension is that God's truth is lasting and eternal and it stands forever. And when God says you are redeemed... That's exactly what is true. And when God says, I am with you, that is exactly what is true. Then I love you. Then it's true. And I have a future and a hope prepared for you. It's truth. And I have an eternal heavenly place for you, a home for you after this life. It's truth. Abraham took hold of the promise of God and he packed into his backpack the truth that God is good and no matter what, I'm going to believe it. He wouldn't have left if he didn't. I mean, I wouldn't have, would you? Would you leave if you didn't trust the person you were following? I did this great hike um, to Wilson's Prom. I actually did quite a few. I worked at a school where I was doing um, integration and I was the cheap staff member to take on the outdoor ed hikes, so, which was a bonus for me. So I did all these hikes around Wilson's Prom, went out to the lighthouse and stayed in the southernmost house in Australia. Very exciting for me. And um, it was fantastic. Let me tell you something. I never, ever took a map. Ever. I just followed the guide. I was like, Let's go, okay. Off I went. I was only 
21. But, you know, like, there is actually a reality that we have to say, I trust the guide. And that's why I follow them. And the word is good and they can see beyond the next corner. And I want to encourage you. God is good for his word. Stake your life on it. And you will discover that all of the characteristics of God, his goodness, his graciousness, his kindness, his love, his hope, his ability to restore what is broken in us, his capacity to make right our wrongs, his motivation to give us hope and future, these are truths upon which we stake our lives. And millions of people have done it before us. Millions of people have gone ahead before and they've put a stake in the ground and said, I will follow you because you are truth. And that invitation has the capacity to change our life. But there are two parts to faith. Faith comes with hearing and faith also comes with action. Abram could have heard the call of God Oh, God's spoken to me. I am so cool. <laughs> like, it's oh, not talking to you, but he's talking to me. I believe it. It's wonderful. Everybody come over to my house and let's talk about how God spoke to me and how he called me out of the land. Let's celebrate it together. And next year at Christmas, I'm going to tell you the story again. It's not faith if we just talk about it. The journey with God is not about lip service to a good God, blah, blah, blah. James talks about this um, marriage between believing and doing. We cannot have faith if it doesn't affect the actions of our everyday life. That's not faith. That's a great idea that we just murmur on about. Back down, we call them walking birds. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we can just pretend we believe something. Faith is when we actually take the step, pick up the backpack, head out the door, close it behind us and don't look back. I'm done with that life. I'm done with that action. I'm done with living for myself and my own calling. Look how far it's got me. Not. Only halfway. I choose to follow you. I've decided to follow Jesus. We used to sing it when I was a kid. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. And Abram was credited for righteousness not because he believed who God was but because he took the steps to do exactly what he was called to do. Come follow me. Come on, come follow me. And the invitation that was given to Abram on that day has continued to be given out by God over the seasons. And we read in our scriptures of millions that um, joined the journey to follow God, this good God who has purpose and plans. We can think about people like Ruth, Samuel, King David, the Apostle Peter. Come on, get out of the boat. Come on, come to me. And great people like Martin Luther King, great people like Mother Teresa, great people like my Nana. Come for me is the invitation. Leave it behind. Come follow me. I have a great life for you. A life in which you will be fruitful and you will multiply. It might not be all about you. It might be about blessing others. 
but it's a life in which you, you will have meaning and purpose. And you'll have left behind a whole bunch of baggage that you never really wanted anyway. So let me ask the question, what's God calling you to this year or this season? For some of you, it might be a lifetime call. It's been in you since when you were born. You can't get rid of it. Like a get off, no, stuck forever. And for some of us, there's new seasons and new opportunities that open up when we follow the call of God. Helen shared this morning that God's given her a new call, a new opportunity, opened a new door for her to serve him, to follow him, into blessing other people, showing love and care for other people. I want to encourage you to listen. What is God calling you to? For Sarah, 12 days away, baby coming. <laughs> it's a new calling, isn't it? And Wayne, it's a new season. It's an exciting opportunity. Recognise that God is in head of the calling that we have and the, the season that we have and that he will be with us and that he's good and that he will encourage and support and prepare the way for us. But don't just talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to act on the calling. I want to invite you to stand up. If you're comfortable, because I don't want to tell you what to do, but if you're comfortable, close your eyes and ask yourself, is God calling me to do something that I need to listen to? For some of us, it might be the first time we've thought about following God, really following God, like saying, yeah, actually, this is the life I want. This is, if I'm going to follow anyone, this is the person I want to follow. And I want to encourage you to speak within your heart quietly to God and say, yes, I want to follow you. And recognise that from this point on, every step you take is an opportunity to follow God, to follow Christ. And for the rest of us, maybe it's an, an, an opportunity to say, yep, I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to start afresh, new page, new year. I'm ready to leave behind and to take up and to follow for this year. Lord, we thank you for this great man, Abraham. Abram, as he began. A man that wouldn't turn up on the scoreboard of a hundreds top great men, but a man who in fact has influenced generations, thousands of years of people with his steps of faith to obey you, to follow you, to put his trust in you and to see that you actually can do all the things that you promised. And as we look at him, we're inspired by the fact that you call just a guy who wasn't even a righteous man and you called him to follow and he willingly obeyed you and out of that we are today receiving the blessings of salvation and forgiveness and hope and restoration in your presence with us and we thank you for him and really as the generations 
that are birthed from his faith. We choose today, Lord, to step out in faith ourselves, to act like Father Abraham and to live in obedience to you. And while maybe, God, we have a whole lot more support, church, Bible, small groups, history, we still need courage and we ask that you would give us the courage to obediently follow you as we listen to your whispers. And Lord, may your name be made great through us. And may you bless us so that we can be a blessing to others and share your good news to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you in your going out, in your coming in, in your labour, in your school holidays, in your labour, in your school holidays, in your leisure and in your peace. And may you go to serve and love the Lord. Amen.